0: Three, two, one. Welcome to Learn Videography, a podcast dedicated to mastering the art and business of becoming a full-time videographer. Presented by Industry Jump. Hosted by Director Kyle Loftus and producer JJ
1: Inglers. Let's go. Welcome back to Learn Videography, your podcast to learn everything you need to know about becoming a full-time videographer. I'm your host, JJ from Industry Jump, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, Kyle Loftus. Kyle, how are we doing today, my man?
0: We are living. We're doing good, man. Doing good. How are you?
1: Love it. We're doing all right. You know, we're uh, getting hit with the Orange County fires at the moment. So uh, those those are not great. But otherwise, in the world of the film industry, things are good. Industry Jump is doing fantastic. So I am stoked to have all of you back for another episode of Learn Videography. In this episode, we'll be talking about legitimizing your video production business, where we will talk through items like bookkeeping, accounting, corporate structures, and so much more. This is a super important episode and you do not want to be caught in a legal mess because you weren't aware of some law. So make sure you stick with us all the way until the end and we will do our best to get you all set up for success. But before we get started, Kyle, let's have you take it away with our five-star review for this week.
0: All right, right on, JJ. And, and yes, yeah, so for those of you who would be interested in winning over $500 in prizes and a chance to be featured in the next episode. You can leave us a five-star review as well on Apple Podcasts. And if you send us a screenshot, you'll automatically be entered for your chance to win. But without further ado, this week's review comes from John Nuts. John says, this episode clarifies details of running a film business. They talk about things to avoid to help give you a better success rate. They also talk about the things you should do more to be more professional, productive, and stay within the law. I am currently building my team, and these podcasts have been helpful, and these podcasts have also helped me become a better team leader, decision maker, and team player. Hell yeah. (laughs) Love it, John.
1: Really appreciate that review, John. Thanks so much for taking the time to drop that review. Let's get straight into this episode of legitimizing your video business, when and why you should do it. First and foremost, if you're building a business, it's for the long term, and you're doing it to make money. So the reasons why we are going to list out some of the steps throughout this episode is to make sure that you don't lose money is to make sure you don't get into trouble, the legal trouble, the legal problems. There's so much that can go wrong on a film set because it is high risk and you're doing really cool, but crazy things like motorcycles and riding in the back of pickup trucks and mountain climbing. There's so many crazy things that you need to do to make your videos and with that comes risks and, As a video production company owner, you are setting yourself up and your career up for five, 10, 20 years, and you need to do everything you can to de-risk this business and to lay that foundation so you can grow and scale your video production company without having nightmares at night of, I wish I would have done this, or I hope this doesn't happen kind of thing. Kyle, can you tell us another reason or example of why this could be important and why our listeners should really pay attention to this episode of Legitimizing Your Video Business?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. You know, for example, myself, you know, when I first got started in my career here down in Orlando, Florida, I was doing predominantly a lot of a lot of weddings as well as uh, corporate work. And for instance, weddings, a big thing with that, especially, you know, down here in Florida, we've got a lot of very expensive uh, properties just to to step on the property as a vendor, you know, you have to be a legitimate business and not just be a legitimate business, you have to at least have general liability insurance, you know, somewhere between one to $3 million of protection. And so you know, it, it's so important to legitimize your business because there's so much clientele that you could be missing out on so many locations that you might not be able to access or utilize for your productions just because you're not a legitimate business. You know, talking about times for me now, you know, uh, a lot of times I go up and shoot in Atlanta and a lot of the locations up there, you know, require, again, general liability and they, uh, they have to be a legitimate business. And I wouldn't be able to go up there and use these locations to shoot these music videos if I didn't have these things you know if i wasn't a legitimate business and so that's why you know it's it's so important that you're you're taking this step uh you know to really scale up and improve your business
1: yeah and one of the first ways to legitimize your business is through corporate structures we have llcs we have dbas we have sole proprietors we have s corps and there's other corporation structures as well As a general disclaimer, Kyle and I are not lawyers. We cannot give you legal advice, but we are definitely going to outline what we understand and know as filmmakers and what we've used for our production companies, starting with a DBA. So a DBA means doing business as, and this is a really great and cost-effective way for those that are just getting started, but they want to incorporate some kind of business name. So for example, that videographer that maybe does, you know, not even... Uh, paid projects that's just doing free projects or just starting to do paid projects, I think DBA would be a really great business structure because it's very cheap to do. And then you can start to operate under that business name for the first time. So for example, uh, in the early days, uh, when I was just getting started, I used the DBA of Collab 6 as my production company, right? So Collab 6 was my production company. I could legally go by that and all of the contracts that I used. I was able to set up a bank account for that DBA, which was Collab 6, and I was able to process all of my business documents through that business name, even though I didn't have any kind of corporate protection. So what I mean by that is with a DBA, you don't actually have corporate protection like an LLC or other corporate structures you would have because in this sense, it's just you're doing business as another name so really if there's anything that goes wrong on the set any big legal problems it's going to fall back on you personally rather than on that first corporate structure like an llc might so that is one thing to understand with the dba it's like really cheap to get started uh quick to get going but the actual protection that it gives you and the the liability protection that it gives you isn't that much of like an llc or an s corp or other structures Kyle, what kind of structure do you go by? I am currently an S Corp. Okay. Did you start as an LLC? So
0: originally, uh, you know, I started as a sole proprietorship, Um, you know, just started kind of creating um, just as my name. Um, under that then I quickly switched and, and did a DBA similar to yourself uh, that was in college went under yep. uh, Cal Visuals um, and kind of fluctuated with the spelling of that I used to use some Z's in there you know I had a lot of swagger back in the day <laughs> um, <laughs> and then um, you know I got a little older uh, and grew up a little bit and uh, went to Cal Visuals with an S, a little cleaner um, in LLC and then um, you know We'll get into this later in the episode, but actually um, 2019, I switched to S Corp, but did it um, by kind of essentially what happened is we did a filing with uh, the IRS because I made a late filing for S Corp. And I was asking to implement it to my 2018 tax season. um, Because you need to kind of change your corporate structure within at least in Florida, you need to change it within the first three to four years of developing your business. Um, And I would have fallen outside of that. And so I would have had to stay in LLC. um, But through kind of using this specific filing, I was able to kind of revert back and change my 2018 filing to S Corp. So I've been S Corp as of 2018.
1: Okay. You bring up a couple of really good points here. So one, you moved up corporate structures as you grew as a content creator. You know, you started as that sole proprietor, which is essentially just doing business by, uh, on behalf of your own name. Then you moved up to the DBA, doing business as under a business name. Then you moved up to an LLC and then to an S-corp. And I think that's a logical way to progress through corporate structures. Another really important thing that you said is it's different for every state. You know, I'm very familiar with the laws in California. Kyle, you're more familiar with the laws in Florida. And so it's, it's important for you to make yourself familiar with your local laws. With that being said, LLC is one of the most common corporate structures in California. LLC stands for Limited Liability Corporation, I believe. And one of the best things about it is it separates you and the company from limited liability. So what that means is if there's an incident on your set and you are an LLC company, the first Liability would go to your company and then if anything happened it would overflow to you as the owner of the company. But it does offer that way to distance yourself from that liability of this is my company and this is my personal and the two are separate. Now the downside with LLC is it, I guess it's one of the cheaper options. Uh, California, it's a minimum of $800 dollars a year to do your annual filings as an LLC. So I, I would say the downside is it's a bit more expensive, even though it is on the cheaper side of corporate structures, It's still expensive for you know, content creators that are only making 5, 10, 15 grand a year. You know, so if that's the case, I'd probably stick at that DBA level because I know right now I have several LLCs uh, that I've been using for different companies and just to keep them alive, it's $800 a year and if you're not using it, it's it's a lot of money each year to pay for. So uh, you can definitely get into a situation where it starts to get expensive at that LLC level. However, if you are making 20, 30, 40 grand or more a year, I think LLC is worth it for that limited liability protection. And of course, you can open up a business bank account with an LLC and you can do everything else that you can do with a DBA, but it just offers you a little bit more protection. Now, Kyle, you said you're, you're an S Corp. Now, an S Corp is a more advanced corporate structure. Now, there's benefits of each. Uh, and actually on our next episode, our guest episode this Thursday, we're actually bringing in an accountant to talk through these at a more detailed level because of course, Kyle and I are not accountants either. However, sole props allow you to have some tax benefits that you can't really use as an LLC corporation. So this is where you, your accountant, your lawyer all kind of get together and say, what is the best structure for me, my business, the the revenue that I'm bringing in, and you figure out that structure going forward for you to set yourself up legally for success. Am I missing anything there, Kyle?
0: No, I think you said it perfect there, JJ. All right, y'all, it is time for our ad break of the day. Today is brought to you by our season sponsor, the one, the only Epidemic Sound. I'm sure y'all folks have already heard of them, but if you haven't, they are a platform for royalty-free licensed music and sound effects. Not only that, but they have multiple plans available to fit any level of creative whether you're looking for a commercial plan or a personal plan they've got you covered with the personal plan started at only 15 dollars a month you get access to over 30,000 songs refreshed weekly and over 60,000 sound effects not only this but your content is still cleared to use even if you cancel your subscription and with the commercial plan at $50 a month geared towards freelancers and small businesses, you're able to get content cleared and music cleared for commercial clients and you get unlimited ad spend. What more could you ask for? Sign up for Epidemic Sound today and get two months free by using the link in our bio at learn videography or found in our show notes.
1: Awesome. Do you want to quickly bring up an example of how switching to an S-Corp saved you uh, and and some money uh, in, in a previous years?
0: Yeah. So, you know, what happened to me essentially was, uh, and again, you know, everyone kind of take their own advice as they will. But uh, I had kind of reached a point in my career where I had reached a six-figure mark and so um, you know my accountant suggested Congrats. that thank you thank you uh, suggested that I switch to S Corp um, and again you know we can talk to her and get more into the gritty details of it but you know basically how it came out to be was that I was going to save thousands in taxes um and I think the big part of that where it came from for what I understood correctly is that with an S Corp you avoid double taxation um for your corporation so essentially you know i'm not going to be taxed on my dividends as well as the profits um so there's just ways where it kind of again it saves you on taxes um again i think i'll let our accountant get into the gritty details of that but you know had i not had an accountant. And had she not kind of pointed this out to me, um, and I was still an uh, LLC, with that amount of money I was bringing in, again, here in Florida specifically, I would actually be losing out on a ton of money simply because I'd be giving so much away in taxes. Yeah.
1: Fantastic. Yeah. It's, again, knowledge is power. And if you work with an accountant, I know they're expensive. I know that's not where you want to spend your money. But if you just work with an accountant to figure out what your business is and where your trajectory for your business is going they can make sure that you're on the right path that you can save as much money as possible so when getting started with filing an llc and s corp or whatever one of the resources that i really like to use is Inkfile.com. so i've filed i think my last two or three llcs through incfile.com uh, they're not a sponsor so hashtag no sponsor but uh, it's a, a great way to make an llc and maybe like 30 minutes, uh, and it's the most affordable that I've seen as well. When I work on narrative films, like long-form te- feature films, we make LLCs for every single production. So for example, we will make two LLCs for every production. We'll have one LLC where we do all of like uh, the film will be under. So all the legal documents, all of that kind of stuff would be the main LLC. So that LLC is the one that carries the risk. And then we'd make a second LLC where we hold all of the money in. So that way, if that one the main LLC got sued, they can't go after the money in the other LLC. You know, so it's a way to separate you know our assets when we have these large feature films. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is we've made a lot of films through Inkfile.com or a lot of corporations through Inkfile.com because of this. And so one of the best, I think, uh, low cost, quick ways to make a corporation is so Inkfile.com. So check that out. Uh, otherwise, let's move into bookkeeping bookkeeping goes hand in hand with accounting. Uh, and essentially, the idea here is uh, you have a lot of expenses, right? You, you have, you know, uh, meals, you have gas, you have equipment, you have locations, all that kind of stuff. Well, accounting and taxes don't really talk perfectly with the film lingo. There's a lot of things that need to be translated. For example, like what do location rentals fall, like what kind of tax code do they fall under for write-offs and reimbursements and categorizing them and whatnot. And so if you work with an accountant really early on to figure out how you're going to categorize all of these expenses, it will make your bookkeeping so much easier because then you know exactly how to categorize each of your expenses throughout that process. Another tip that I really like to do is I make sure that I complete the bookkeeping for every project before I move on to the next project. And I do it in one central folder. So, for example, when I'm making any kind of music video, any kind of commercial, I have what we call a wrap book. A wrap book contains all of my legal documents for that project in one book. So I will have my crew contracts, my location contracts, my actor contracts, all of my invoicing, all of my 1099s or sorry, all of my W9s. Um, and then all of the receipts, like physical receipts, I will tape them to paper within that binder. And that way, I will have physical evidence of everything that I spent money on and all of the legal contracts for that project. So if somebody comes to me in a year and says, hey, do you have this release form? You, I'm not going to clear this project unless you have this release form. I could just quickly go to that project folder, pull up the release form and say, here it is. Or in situations where you get audited, I've been audited before because production businesses, they look funny to the IRS. You're spending so much money and and it's weird stuff that you're spending money on. And so there's a good chance you can get audited. And the first thing that I did when I got audited was bring all of my rap books to the audit and they were so impressed. It was the easiest audit ever. You know, like they saw all my rap books, all of my bookkeeping, it was very clean. I walked out of there without owing an extra dime, and it was very easy. Now, if I didn't have any expenses, any receipts, any kind of tracking, that would've been a nightmare. It would've taken up so much time, and you do not wanna be spending your time on that stuff. Also, we've talked about this before. If you don't have up-to-date bookkeeping, how do you know how much money you're making? How, how do you know how much money you left in the bank? How do you know what your cash flow situation is like? Hey, what if you take on that big project where finally it's a $10,000, $20,000 video and you don't know if you have enough cash flow to float you know, your expenses uh, on pickup day and whatnot? So for these reasons and more, bookkeeping is just so crucial. Sheesh. uh
0: I don't know what to add to that man. <laughs> I think you I think you really <laughs> covered it all. Um again I w- I would just uh reinstate the fact that you know it's it's so important that you know you try to keep the physical copies of these as well. Um you know things can happen, hard drives and such can yeah. can crash. So I think try to keep the physical uh copies as well if you guys can. Um and then with with the digitals, you know don't just rely on the QuickBooks system. Uh, you know, I think it's really, really important that you do some filing on your end as well. So I myself, you know, not only do I have everything kind of stored and set up in QuickBooks, but as JJ mentioned, similar to that, you know, I have so I have set up folders for every single one of my productions. um, And in there, it has all the details, all the paperwork. So again, if if anything ever happens, um, or someone wants content taken down, there might be an issue with a contract, something you know there's we can always revert back to that information and clear everything up with no problems. Uh, so again, just kind of um, really want to make sure that you guys are keeping absolutely all of this information um as benign as some of it might seem. It's really, really important again, if case and ever an audit comes up or anything like that.
1: yeah, and you know I know a lot of filmmakers that you know will be popping off music videos at like four hundred bucks per video, you know, and it's, and they're like, well, JJ, I don't really need to do this stuff yet. You know, I'm not quite there yet. And it's like, okay, I understand. Maybe you're not, you know, like this stuff kind of comes into play once you're making like 5,000, 10,000, $15,000 or more. But if, if you are making that level of money, you definitely need to start doing it. And I think it's just good practice to start do it, doing it in the early days as well. So as you grow, that's just one more system you have in place to make that growth easier on you. So you could continue to focus on your clients and the creative rather than trying to put together a bookkeeping system last minute and then retroactivating or going back and trying to tag all of the previous expenses for the last six months. You know, so it's just one of those things where if you are serious about this being a business and you're committed to it for the next year to two years, take the time and just do it in the beginning. You know, there's a lot of affordable or even free providers out there for bookkeeping, uh, accounting and some other things. And uh, I think that you can get set up with a really good situation uh, workflow for you and your business. It will cost you very little and can help you grow for years to come. All right. So we have bookkeeping. We have corporate structures. Now let's move into business banking and credit cards and debit cards and, and why this is helpful. So, you know, we're operating under a new business name. So the first thing that we want to do is open up new business cards under that business name. Normally, this means you open up a debit card and a credit card, right? So a lot of companies, uh, rental companies, bigger rental houses, prefer to use a debit card and have a debit card on file. And then there's situations where you can put your credit card on file as well, use your credit card to float big expenses. Uh, A good situation for using a credit card for your business is say you get paid 50% upfront and then 50% on the back end. A credit card with a high credit limit will allow you to float that money to ease that cash flow burden on you as a small business owner. So that's one of the reasons why I love to open up a credit card as soon as I open up a business bank account also opening up a credit card uh, and spending all of your money on a credit card will just get you more points. points and the yes. more points you make, <laughs> you can get more money back. And instead of spending on your debit card and getting pretty much no money back, get two, 3% back on uh, cash back with credit cards. And that will be, you know, it'll, it'll be additional profit that you get just by using your, your business credit I card. I don't
0: use my debit cards what? for real because, solely because of yeah. that. I just had to I had to insert that. It's so important. Literally, you you get so much, almost essentially free money in a cent. You know, you spend money and and you get these points and you can either invest them cheaply through, again, discounts that are offered through your bank or hell, you can even use it on Amazon, you know, to order new gear if you need be. But uh, just wanted to really uh, jump in there and reinsert that because, you know, it, it really does make a big difference having those.
1: Yeah, it's also safer too. You know, when you're working with film vendors, you're working with a lot of different people and normally you have to send over some kind of credit card authorization form or send some kind of payment and sometimes they hold like actual copies, like photocopies of that card on file during that time. And I would much rather have a, a credit card on file rather than my debit card that has all of my business money in it yeah <laughs> you know so i like to really separate those two and use credit card as much as possible for the points for the security uh and you know i have built up my credit card uh, my business credit card i think like f- like forty or fifty grand is my uh credit card limit now. And so it it's really nice to build up that limit. I think it started at like ten or twenty. So to build up that limit so when you do get up to those bigger productions, you can afford to, you know, float some more cash, you know, in safe situations and whatnot. So definitely take advantage of business cards, debit cards, credit cards. Another thing that I want to bring up is try to establish a relationship with your local bank. As a producer, there's you know, I spend a lot of money for my productions. You know, some days we'll spend like 30 grand in one day. And in days like that, you'll need a good relationship with your bank to let them know that, hey, I'm getting ready to spend a lot of money on this day. Make sure you don't freeze my cards because you think it might be fraud. Because if you freeze my cards, it's gonna halt all of my vendors, all of my pickups, and then I'm gonna be SOL. So to have a clear communication with your bank saying, hey, pickup day is coming up next week. Tuesday, the 10th, I'm planning to spend $20,000 that one pickup day. Normal debit cards have like a $5,000 limit. So can you remove my debit card limit for that one day so I can spend as much money as I need to without having to worry about you shutting down my card? Situations like that are very helpful to have kind of a good relationship with a banker once you start to spend more money at that level.
0: Absolutely. Um, you know, and lastly, I think Just want to quickly mention, too, you know, the importance of having a business bank account, uh, you know, in order to get yourself an EIN. Uh, For anyone who doesn't know what an EIN is, uh, it's an employer identification number. Um, And this can be really beneficial. Uh, One, specifically, you know, this can really help you uh, protect yourself from a personal standpoint. You know, there's going to be times where you might be doing things where you need to give out, uh, you know, a Social Security number. And so, rather than doing that, you're going to be able to utilize your EIN number. It's essentially the social security number for your business. Um, and this is really important uh, to have, especially if you're going to continually run and try to operate a legitimate business. But again, in order to get this, most of the time, you're going to be required to have a business bank account. Um, you know, some banks might allow you to. Open, or excuse me, vice versa, um, in order to open a business bank account, you need an EIN number. Some banks might allow you to open an account as a sole proprietor or um, other there, but most of the time you're going to need an EIN. In order to get that, again, you have to be a legitimate business.
1: Yeah, for sure. That's that's a fantastic point, Kyle. I think one little correction, once you actually corporate like an LLC or an S Corp, that's when you get the EIN number and that's what you will need to open, open the up account. a business bank account. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, And that is a really important thing, though, because you don't want to be dropping your social security number on forms and, and contracts and whatnot. You want to use your business EIN to, again, separate yourself from the business activity, separate yourself from the liability, and to make it safer for all. So once you create that corporate structure they will give you an EIN. You can use that to operate for your business, open up a bank account with that EIN. And again, you're creating a corporate structure between you and your business to protect your individual self, uh, moving forward. You ready to move on to lawyer and legal stuff? Let's do it. All right. So lawyer and legal stuff, what are we talking about here? So we have talent releases, we have location releases, we have permits, We have music rights, we have crew deal memos, we have production contracts. All of this probably sounds expensive, time consuming, and definitely not sexy. But this is definitely where you need to get yourself situated and prepared. Any legitimate business or any legitimate uh, production company needs these documents in order. Your client is gonna ask for it. If you work with any kind of record label, They're going to ask for you to provide these documents because they need to make sure that this video is properly cleared so they can distribute it in the proper channels. There's situations where, uh, actors, locations might come at you after the video and say, Hey, you can't use me in this video. And it's like, no, I have a a contract saying that I can't. You're okay. You do not want to get into a situation where you film the video. Two months later, someone sees that video and says, Hey, I'm in that video, I didn't give you permission, take that video down. You do not want to get into that situation, let me tell you, it stinks. You also don't want to get into a situation where you make a video, and then you realize you didn't get anyone's contracts, and then two months later you try to get everyone, everyone's release forms and whatnot, and that's really tough as well. So it's just really important to get those contracts in place in the beginning, starting with the talent release. Talent release covers actors. Normally, it covers things like how much they're going to get paid, uh, what the usage is for those actors, like uh, where you can use the actual physical likeness, I believe the term is. So is it only for you know a limited TV run or can you use it everywhere, anywhere Perpetuity. for the rest of the world? Perpetuity. <laughs> or can you just use it for six months and then you have to pay more licensing fees? You know, In these early stages, it's really just a simple talent release contract saying, you are letting me use – your your physical likeness you in this video uh, in per- perpetuity on all platforms going forward and most low budget projects don't have any problems with that am i missing anything with the talent release kyle before we move on to locations
0: no i mean again it's just guys i mean maybe when you're on these smaller projects again as you mentioned earlier jj like 400 hundred dollar, 600 hundred dollar projects maybe you can consider skipping out on this again if it's like close friends or family but you know i highly highly encourage that you don't skip these steps again it might seem uh, again super benign but something can happen where you create an incredible video and maybe it gets hundreds and thousands of views but then maybe someone that was in that video millions or millions and someone in that video you know two or three years later they decide to change up their image you know, and they don't want their, their image to be shown in that portrayed in that way anymore. Well, you know, if you don't have that talent release, you got to take that video down. You know, you can't use that as a portfolio piece anymore. You're kind of, you know, you're dead in the water with that, with that project. So again, as, as benign and as small as it might seem, these things make a huge difference. So don't, don't skip these steps.
1: Yeah, that's a great example, Kyle. And, you know, you can, elaborate on that and say hey you might make a video for free and that video goes on to make or earn like hundreds of millions of views then the actor might see that this is a huge success and that they didn't get paid and they might come at you afterwards and say hey this is a huge success you better give me some money otherwise i don't I'm, you're not going to be able to use my likeness in your video you know so just don't get yourself into those situations there's so many uh, stock templates uh, talent release templates online Look over something, find something that's pretty simple, brand it for your company, and just add that to your database, your resources for your production company going forward. The next thing is location releases. So this is very similar to a talent release, but it deals with locations. Things that are covered in this location release are things like being able to use the location and the name in your video, how much are you paying that location release, Uh, What are the terms of that location release? Like the hours that you can use it, the dates, all that kind of stuff. And I think one of the most important things about this location release is what happens when damages might happen at a location? Again, filming is very high risk. There's a lot of things that happen. So many times things break at a location. It's so important to have that contingency plan agreed upon ahead of time in paper. So if that does happen on your set, it's like, all right. We talked about this we agreed it this is what's going to be unfortunately i'm just going to have to pay this or or whatever the agreement may be and move on or if you don't have those conversations then you might put yourself and your production in a really bad spot where the location owner just says no get out now never come back or you know pay me four thousand dollars for this or whatnot who knows but if you do this location release ahead of time not only will you show the location owner that you're serious, that you're professional, and that they can expect a professional production coming to, the product, to their home or the location, but it also says that, hey, these are the situations, these are the guidelines that you and I are both agreeing to, so there's going to be no surprises. And no surprises is really good when you're running a video production business. So definitely try to use location releases for all of your videos. Uh, And normally it's pretty simple. You just have a couple locations. So you get that done. As soon as you lock in that location, you send over that location release. You, You tell the location owner, as soon as you fill out and sign this location release, I will send you the down payment, the deposit. And then that's how you get it all rolling from there after location release comes permits video permits movie permits uh we've talked about this a lot in previous episodes it's just one of those things where you want to have it uh or at least be aware of that if you need it or if you don't need it and to have that conversation with your clients for so for an example that we used earlier on uh if you have a thousand dollar video you're you're working with this client and you're going to be shooting in downtown chicago right Uh, The video calls for just someone walking on the streets of downtown Chicago. So you're just like, all right, well, this is a cool street. Artists show up here at this time and we'll film this. Well, what happens if you show up here at this time, the client is all ready. You go to shoot the first frame of the video and cops come over and say, hey, you can't shoot here. Where's your permit? The last thing that you want to say is I don't have a permit because a client is going to look at you and say, bro, really? And you'll probably just lose that client. The, the day will need to probably get canceled or rescheduled, and it's just going to be a big misstep for your company. Oof. Not only that, but if you're shooting at a place where you don't have the rights to shoot at, you can get fined, uh, and some other things can happen. So the first and most important thing is to know what you need and what you don't need. Some locations don't require a permit, so that's easy, but you want to make sure that you know that going into it so you don't get surprised on the day of the production.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Just really, really be mindful of these things, you know. And again, we've we've talked about it in earlier episodes too. You know, kind of know the rules, uh, so you can know when and where to break them. And this is part of where that communication process with the client comes in into play, you know being aware and just kind of discussing things ahead of time. For me, you know, I can speak of an example. I did a commercial project uh, three or four years ago for these um, electric surfboards, um, electric surfboard company. And, you know, we were going to do this four day tour to different locations in Florida, Miami Beach, um, Fort Myers, Fort Lauderdale, uh, St. Pete, um, and one other beach, I'm, I'm forgetting, uh, Cocoa Beach, there we go. Um, And so we were going to do this multi-day tour um, and part of the discussion was getting permits or not to shoot on the beaches. Uh, And so I brought that up to the owner and he decided not to go without, uh, he decided to go without it. And, you know, when we were going to shoot on Miami beach, we showed up at probably six in the morning. Sun was just rising. No one was there. The beach was absolutely empty. We get 20 minutes into shooting and who shows up? Cops show up. So canceled out the shoot. We had to go shoot in different locations, but, uh, you know, luckily there was no issues there with the client because that was something that we had discussed ahead of time. And, uh, you know, JJ, I know you have an example, uh, you can speak on, um, that we talked about maybe in an earlier episode with, uh, you know, filming at a location and the other company kind of getting booted out. If you want to maybe mention that again, briefly. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I was working on a very small feature film. I think our crew was like 15 to 20, Uh, and we shot at one location in the morning and after lunch, we were moving to another location and we had both locations permitted. So after lunch, we moved to another location, which was happened to be in downtown Los Angeles under the seventh street bridge, which is a super iconic bridge. Uh, and that's also the access point for, uh, cars to go into like the, the, the river like area, the dried out riverbeds where you can, you know, race down those things that, uh, if you've ever seen those in videos, I'm sure you have. Anyways, long story short, uh, there was a major car production happening there. There maybe might have been 100 different people there uh, on that production. It was I don't know what car brand, but it was a huge production. And we showed up there, and we had a permit, and they didn't. And so we went up to the location manager and said, like, Hey, this is our permit. We're, we're permitted to shoot here. And I kid you not, they packed up and left. A 100-person production must have been a million-dollar shoot They packed up and left for our little dinky 15-person production and feature film that we were shooting there. (laughs) So it's situations like that where having this stuff planned for and accounted for ahead of time can just save you so much headaches, hassle, and legal trouble. So I definitely recommend that. Another example that I want to bring up that I've also talked about previously is with a talent contract. So I was shooting a uh I was producing a music video for Matt Alonso, uh in the hills of Los Angeles and it was a big video. Um and we had I think thirty different extras that day. And since the video was so big and my cash flow was um uh, a little bit hard as a business uh, a small business owner, you know, I think uh You know, I had to front a significant amount of money. And so one of the things that we did going into this project was knowing that the cash flow would be hard, was we put everyone on a net 30, meaning that we are going to pay them 30 days after the start of the production or the production day, right? And so we told everyone that when we hired them, hey, this production is a net 30. If you agree to that and those payment terms, we are going to hire you and move on. So that's what we did. We vocally told everybody when we hired every single person, every crew, every talent. Uh, and then at the end of the day, we also had our production coordinator vocally gather all of the talent, all of the extras around and say, hey, guys, here's your location, uh, your talent releases. Here's your invoices. This is, again, a net 30. Please fill out your documents, submit it to us, uh, and then we will pay you, you know, uh, you know, whenever the payment date approaches. Right. So. um, We thought it was good, everyone went home, we wrapped up the video, everything was going good. About 15 days later to the day, I get an email from one of the talent, one of the extras who we were paying $150 for that day to come out, I think for like six hours as an extra in the video. And they were like, hey, I didn't receive my paycheck yesterday, uh, which goes against the employment payment guidelines, so I'm now gonna report you to the labor board in good day, essentially, Ooh, is, is kind of what happened. And yeah, and so sure enough, he reported my company to the labor board. Uh, I had to show up to a court meeting. And at that court meeting, I found out that he was suing my company for over $3,000 in damages or so-called damages for his $150 payment oh being late gosh. or not late. But, you know, we agreed to certain terms. But since he never signed those payment terms on a contract or paper and it was only vocally made, he is using that against us to say, hey, no, this was late. You went against the normal terms. So it took three months of going to court, battling this, to finally get those cases uh, taken away from me. And actually, the only reason why the cases were dropped was because he didn't show up to the final day of court. Otherwise, I might have had to pay that person $3,000 because I never got his signature approving the payment terms for that production since the payment terms were not normal payment terms so it's things like that where it's like hey just just take care of this stuff ahead of time just save yourself from those legal surprises save you know if i would have had to pay out that three thousand dollars that was essentially what i made for that video i would have had to do that video entirely for free i would have lost that money it would have been a devastating hit to me and my company and so it's like Things like that where talent releases, crew deal memos, all that stuff really come in handy and can save your butt going forward. So with that, we'll segue right into crew deal memos as our final uh, piece for our uh, contracts and templates. Um, Crew deal memos are very similar to production contracts, uh, but crew deal memos are just focused on crew. So this is where you book your sound mixer and you say, hey, we're going to pay you this amount of time. For this amount of days uh over time you know what you get paid for overtime is clearly listed and then there's a lot of different situations that are listed out in the crude deal memo that can save your butt so for example with COVID, normal uh crude deal memos during this time say if you get COVID on our set we are not liable you know that's that's a hard thing to do as an employer that's not quite right but a lot of productions are doing it because they can't take on that added risk and there's a lot of other clauses within a crew deal memo that pretty much say hey if you do this on our set we're not liable if you do this on our set we're not liable which essentially saves you from a lot of liability should something happen in your set that is outside of the scope uh, that you don't have to cover because they previously agreed to it before stepping on your set and I know a lot of producers that won't let crew members actually come on the set until they send the crew deal memos because they don't want to risk the liability of someone walking on the set Of light falling on their head. And now all of a sudden they never send the crew deal memo and their production is liable for this and more. So crew deal members are super important. So I think that pretty much covers the crew deal memos. And I forgot about the last one, which is production contracts. And since I've been talking a lot, Kyle, why don't you handle this one?
0: Yeah. So, you know, utilizing production contracts are, you know, really, really important to Have these agreements built out and, and, you know, set in place, especially, you know, when we're talking about building something out with, you know, a client for a full production, you know, making sure that everything is talked about and not only talked about, but communicated and written down. So, again, when we're reverting or if an issue ever comes into play. Um, or say, you know, maybe we're getting way past what is seemed as the deemed hours to complete a production. Again, this is something that we can revert back to and look at and say, Hey, you know this is way outside what was considered, uh, you know, the original means to complete this project. Or, you know, hey, you guys didn't complete this side of the project. You know, so having a production contract is really, again, it, it just all comes back to protecting yourself, um, taking away that kind of liability concerns, um, and, you know, making sure that everything is kind of communicated and set. Yeah.
1: And it, it's a perfect situation for you and your client to get on the same page and say, hey, this is the delivery deadline. Uh, these are the payment terms. This is what I will and will not do. Uh, And it just it's a good way to set both of you up for success. You know, again, film production is high risk. Things happen. You want to make sure that you're taken care of and then the the client is treated professionally as well. So just in case something arises, it's not like you'll lose that client. It's like, hey, this is what we agreed to. This is the contract. And this is how we're going to operate going forward. And and it's a smoother experience because unfortunately things happen.
0: Yeah. And I think, again, with that, you know, I think one of the big things to note, you know, when building out production contracts, speaking from a video production businesses standpoint, you know, one of the really important parts of having this, and one of the things I make sure to implement into every single one of my contracts is even if the client wants exclusivity to the content, I want to make sure that I at least have the written permission through the contract and consent to use it to promote and, and build my business. Again, you know, so production contracts, again, that can come into the case where you might have a lot of times where you're doing, say, for instance, corporate work, a lot of corporate work, they might be requiring you to sign NDAs, they might be wanting you to kind of keep, you know, the work quiet and not be pushing it out. And that can prevent you from getting a lot of new and great business as a video production company, you know, so having a production contract, being able to write something like that into your contract can really, again, just protect you keep you safe, but allow you to utilize this content to again, you know, promote and generate Uh, more business for your video production business.
1: Yeah, great point. I'm glad you brought that up. Why don't we segue into protecting your business with insurance? Now, we're just going to do a quick overview on this because we previously covered this in depth in one of our previous episodes, which I believe was the the booking crew, vendors, gear, and everything else episode where we talked about all the different types of insurance that you can have. Uh, But just a quick overview and refresher. So some of the most popular insurance types are general liability, workers' comp, Uh, gear insurance, which actually covers like rented gear that you have, um, camera gear insurance, which covers the gear that you own. Uh, and then you also have, um, auto insurance, which covers any kind of rented vehicles or your production vehicles. Uh, and those are the main types of insurance. So general liability will cover things like, there was one shoot where we were shooting in a bathroom that had a bathtub. The actors got in the bathtub. Water overflowed and fell onto the bathroom floor and ended up actually seeping through the the tile on the bathroom, the cracks of that tile, and went under the tile. And so actually my company was liable for replacing the bathroom's floor, the tile in that floor. And it was like a six or $7,000 expense just from this one simple scene of them taking a bath. But luckily I had general liability insurance, general liability covered everything, and I didn't have to pay a dime outside of what I normally pay for insurance on an annual policy. Hey. So that is a situation where I was really well covered. There was another situation where uh, we were uh, on a feature film set. We had our key grip driving the grip truck to set, and that key grip was driving along the street, and a tree branch knocked the roof Off of the grip truck because the tree branch was hanging too low. And so, I, as the producer of this feature film, the grip truck shows up to set and has a huge hole in the top of the roof of the grip truck and says, We have a problem. Luckily, we had insurance, we had auto insurance, we had to pay a $2,500 deductible, but it saved us from a $10,000 repair. Situations like that happen. That's why we carry this insurance. Worker's comp insurance actually covers someone getting injured on your set. So in a situation where I was filming another feature film, our actress was uh, doing a bedroom scene where uh, her and the co-lead were making out on a bed, uh, and she actually ended up hitting the back of her head on uh, the back uh, bed frame and ended up actually having uh, really bad back and neck problems because of it. And so she had to go to – like support, help uh, for like three or six months to like work through all of the problems that she, you know, the health problems that she had because of being doing this scene on our set. And Workers' Comp paid for all of that, for all of the rehab, paid for everything. We just needed to file a claim with Workers' Comp, pay our uh, deductible if we had any, I don't remember. And they covered all of those medical expenses. So simple things like that, where you're just filming a simple bedroom scene, things happen, people get hurt. And Work As Comp covers you from there. Kyle, what kind of insurance do you have for your own camera gear?
0: Yeah, you know, so I, I make sure to have protection for my camera gear. I specifically have, um, I, I use two different forms, I guess, for protection, if you will. So I've, you know, Hiscock insurance, um, and that uh, is general liability, but it's also covers, uh, you know, insurance for my gear. Um, at my home office location um, and and so I have protection there but I also use Athos Athos is a, a great insurance um, company if anyone hasn't heard of them um, love them and I use them um, for production insurance um, for very, um, short or quick productions where I just need a specific coverage for that. And I also use it for um, covering my gear um, when I'm traveling and going to outside production. So again, if I'm not using my own studio or filming at my home office and someone stole from me or my gear got you know damaged, um, something like that, I wouldn't be covered under that Hiscox uh, insurance. So I would need a different insurance. And so that's what I use Athos for. Um, And one of the great things about the company that I love is you can actually even get insurance coverage for, uh, you know, it's it's an additional fee, but you can get coverage for even if you leave your car unlocked, Um, you know, so you can really, really protect yourself here um, and make sure that, you know, again, if you are to get get your gear stolen or severe damage to it um, from an act of God, maybe a, a fire or again, And something I have to to fear here in Florida is hurricanes. You know, a hurricane breaks out, um, destroys the gear. This is going to protect me. And this can, you know, again, if something was to happen, I lose, you know, $35,000 worth of gear. Well, this insurance is going to help protect me and allow me to, uh, you know, be able to to get that money so I can kind of reacquire the gear I need to continue running my video production business without having to suffer any costs personally.
1: Yeah. The moment where you invest 10, 15, 20 grand into gear is Definitely the moment you need insurance on that gear because things happen. You can drop a lens and shatter a lens and be out two to three grand. You know, things happen. You need to protect yourself. And again, you just you want that uh, that weight lifted off your shoulders. You don't want to show up to set and say, oh, man, I, I hope no one gets injured or no one drops anything today because I will lose thousands of dollars. You don't want to do that. You you're, Again, you're creative. You're doing this because you want to have fun. You want to build a big, successful business. And insurance and doing all these proper steps that we talked about in this episode is a really good way to lay that foundation so you can have a long-lasting, successful business that you can sleep like a baby at night with (laughs) because there's plenty of shoots, Kyle, where as a producer going into that shoot at night, I knew that I was liable in some areas because I wasn't able to cover it for budgetary reasons or whatever, and man, I was so worried, Kyle, Uh, (laughs) and I just don't recommend it for our listeners for sure. Um, so why don't we move into accounting and taxes? This is one of the last few categories we have for this episode. Uh, we again have a accountant joining us in our next episode. So we're going to just stay overview here, hit some of the big points, and then we will go into much greater depth for our interview episode uh, this week. However, a uh, couple things to know is there's a couple different ways to pay your taxes. You can do a quarterly filing, Or you can do annual taxes now llc's typically do annual taxes but s corps typically do a quarterly filing and what this means is essentially either you're filing your taxes once a year at the end of the year tax season for your business or you're doing it four times a year for each fiscal quarter and that's when you're saying this was my quarter uh expenses my income and then this is what i owe for this quarter uh, and I think one of the benefits of doing the quarterly is uh, really up-to-date. You have great uh, information on how your business health is doing, You know how much money you are made, uh, and it also makes the tax payments that you pay a little bit cheaper. However, you pay more for accounting because you need to do essentially four taxes each year, so you pay more to pay your accountant to prepare those taxes. Vice versa, the annual, you just do once a year, you submit once a year. Um, the cool thing here is you pay your accountant less because you're only preparing one taxes for that year. Uh, and, and generally, it's a little bit less work because you're only doing it less. However, you don't, unless you have a really good bookkeeping system, you might not have up to date information of how your company did that year. Also, if you owe a lot of money in taxes, that one big payment could cost a lot of money if you're not factoring it in ahead of time, which leads me into our next tip is, you know, if you uh, think you might have to pay $1,000, $2,000, $5,000 at the end of the year for taxes, depending on how much money you're making, you want to build that into monthly payments because you don't want to be liable for that at the end of the year and say, shoot, you know, I thought I made all this money, but instead I got to pay back 5,000 dollars because of taxes, and all of a sudden you're out five grand and you have nothing in your savings. So you want to try and estimate what you're going to pay ahead of time, so you can start to put money from each production away, and even maybe budget it and just say, "Hey, for this production, I have a $200 standard production operation cost." And you just put that 200 dollars aside and say, "Hey, this is my taxes, accounting, bookkeeping uh, money for, you know, making my business." legitimate throughout the year. Kyle, do you have any tips for accounting and taxes of how you run your video production business?
0: Again, you know, I'm just repeating myself here, but again, it's just really, really important. So utilizing some kind of auto tracking system that can connect with, you know, your bank accounts. um, So that way, you know, again, a lot of this can be automated for you. So you don't have to do a lot of manual entry. So again, what I highly recommend is QuickBooks or what I used prior to that was Everlance. Both of them allow you to track mileage, input expenses, income, connect to your bank accounts, send directly to your accountant, as well as share the app interface with your So, they can directly hop in there and see exactly what everything looks like and where you're filing and how you're filing things as. Um, And so, again, this is really just going to help you save a lot of money when it comes to your taxes and filing. Again, every year, as JJ mentioned, video production companies kind of just look odd or fishy. And so, for instance, this past year, you know, I was able to save a couple extra thousand dollars in taxes simply because there was a lot of things that, you know, my accountants simply didn't know necessarily how to file it as. And so, you know, I was able to kind of help them and explain. You know what exactly I was buying things for, and then we knew how to categorize each individual thing.
1: Yeah, uh, again, film is really weird for accounting, and it's you don't want to just go to a standard accountant that has never worked with a film business before because there's a lot of things that uh, an accountant that has business in the film industry will understand that a general accountant won't understand. So, if you can go to an accountant that has handled film businesses before, it will greatly save you. It will save you a lot of time to quickly get up to speed, and so your accountant just can quickly say, here's how you categorize these expenses, let's get you set up in your bookkeeping system, and then you can just go from there. So definitely try to find an accountant that has worked with film production businesses before. Also, you just want to know like when these important dates are. You want to know when you need to file taxes, when you need to do uh, annual reports, uh you know, quarterly quarterly tax filings, uh, all that kind of stuff, when you need to send out 1099s for the independent contractors that you hired, or W4s for the W2s that you hired and whatnot. So by working with a accountant, by working with a lawyer, by getting that legal situation handled from the very beginning, You can put these dates into your calendar. You can put money aside to pay for these costs. You can do up-to-date bookkeeping so you know your business's health. You can have the proper insurance so you don't lose any money on things that might happen or damages that might occur. And overall, you can just set up a really healthy business that you can feel really good about operating at a professional level for many years to come. So today, uh, in this episode, we're going to skip our question of the day only because our next episode for next week, we are doing an entire episode dedicated to questions of the days. And why are we doing this? Well, essentially, we're approaching the end of our first season. At this point, we only have three more educational episodes left, three more weeks left, and we want to make sure that before we end this season that all of our listeners have the questions that they need answered answered. And so this is just a dedicated time for us to collect all of the questions from our listeners, answer as much as we can, so that way we can make sure that we're leaving season one in the books with all the questions answered, and all of you guys are as best set up for success as possible. So to submit a question for our next episode, as always, go to our Instagram, learn videography, send us a DM with a voice memo of including your name, where you live, and what your question is. Try to keep your questions uh, simple, precise, a minute or less because we'll have a lot of questions that we gotta get to. But definitely this is your opportunity where you can get your question answered on one of our upcoming episodes of Learn Videography. But otherwise, that's all we have for today. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Learn Videography and at Industry Jump. You can follow my co-host Kyle Loftus at Cal Visuals and myself, JJ at JJ Angler. In our next episode, Again, we are dedicating the entire episode to answering questions from our community. Don't miss out on that. Otherwise, that's all we have for you today. If you're not already, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Learn Videography and at Industry Jump. And you can follow my co-host Kyle Loftus at CalVisuals and myself, JJ at JJ Englert. Otherwise, make sure to check out Industry Jump if you haven't already. It's one of the best places to build a portfolio, gain exposure, apply to jobs, work with mentors and so much more. I hope y'all enjoy this episode, learn from this episode, and legitimize your business from this episode. Let's go.